Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga, and today we're joined by Ava Jamshidi. Ava is a manager and producer at Industry Entertainment. She began her career in representation in the mailroom at APA and spent nine years as a lit agent at APA and ICM prior to her current post at Industry. She's originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and graduated from the University of Illinois with a degree in computer engineering. And she joined us today. How are you today, Ava? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, love to have you. Um, now, how does someone with a degree in computer engineering get involved in the film industry? <laughs> well, growing up with, uh, you know, very education-minded Persian parents, um, it, uh, the idea of working in film was kind of terrifying for them. And my dad's a professor in engineering, and, and it's a lot of what I grew up with. And, and he went to Illinois for his master's and PhD. And being blessed enough to have parents who could pay for my college, I made sure to study something that in case this whole movie TV thing didn't work out, I would have a degree that would actually be useful <laughs> in, the, in, in the world. And um, especially if, if somehow this didn't work out, being a woman with a degree in engineering, I knew I'd always have a backup plan. And so ultimately, that was my backup plan. So. Uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was very, very, very tough. But uh, uh, I did whatever film stuff I could do while at Illinois. Um, they didn't really have a dedicated film school or any kind of real film program, but they did have a cinematography minor. Mm-hmm. So I got a minor in cinematography. Um, I watched a lot of French cinema. Um, I lived my junior of high school in France with, with the whole family. So uh always had a had a leaning towards anything sort of French. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I tried to do as much of that as possible. And I, uh, for a time I thought I was going to get into, um, use my engineering degree and my love of film to get into visual effects. Right. I was always drawing on computers and I did a year of, um, CG animation while at Illinois working on software like Maya and obviously all the different photoshops and illustrators and final cuts and everything else and, and creating our own 3d, I should say now 3d CG, um, animation shorts, so all the all the same stuff that Pixar had, and you know, being a big tech university, it allowed for a lot of great resources like that. Right. So now, got my fill of whatever movie stuff I could while I, while I could. Right. Um, well, now, why did you choose in terms of making your way into the film industry? Why did you choose, or how did you end up in representation? Completely by accident, to be perfectly honest. Um, it wasn't an aspect of the business that really at all appealed to me. You know, we all have our stereotypes of what agents are like and, right. you know, sort of the Ari Golds out there and, you know, and, and I was no different. I, even before Entourage was out there, I, we all had that impression of mm-hmm. like smarmy, you know, you know, agents who are terrible people and throw staplers at people and stuff like that. Um, or I guess the, uh, swimming with sharks kind of picture right. of all of it. But when I was, uh, I, one of my first job, my first paid job was working for Penny Marshall's company and assisting her producer on her last movie, Riding Cars with Boys. And, and I really did love development. I loved all the creative aspect of it and, and really honing in and working with writers and putting the director's list together and finding scripts and trying to set them up. And, um, and I was having a hard time getting to that next level in the world of development. And um, after a couple other sort of brief jobs that didn't work out because people I was dealing with were not the most sane people in town, um, <laughs> I uh, I remember one of my be- still one of my best friends today who was uh, a CEO at Penny's company at that time uh, just kicked my butt and said, "You talked about getting some agency experience to help you get a better job in development, 
and you know this was a Tuesday and she kicked my butt and she's like by Friday you better send your resume to 20 places uh, or else <laughs> and um, and so the idea the purpose of working at an agency was to try to help myself be better positioned to get a better job in development and um, to uh, to credit the folks at APA I was in the mailroom for six months there and uh, got onto David Saunders desk and David was a terrific mentor um, he was then and still is running the motion picture lit department and um, and he just always believed in me and and David was a just a really nice boss you know he mm. he never yelled he had great taste he had a very comfortable life and did well and had wonderful clients and and I didn't realize you could you know you could actually be nice and be an agent right and and once that realization hit, I realized what was kind of awesome about being an agent was that you not only, it kind of fed into both sides of, of I guess, two sides of my personality, which you got a chance to be really creative because you're developing these scripts with these clients up to whatever extent any agent may want to. But um, I was always more managerial as an agent, um, and so was David. And um, so you got to be very creative, but it also fed into my very competitive nature and there's nothing more fun than going out there and hustling and and selling something and believing in something and seeing it find a home. Right, right. And that was a lot of fun. <sighs> so it uh, changed a bit after the writer's strike, but, you know, I was at APA for three years and then ICM for six. Mm -hmm. Now, being having spent nine years as an agent at, you know, obviously major, you know, ICM, APA, and also now having spent two years as, uh, a manager, you're sort of yeah. in in a unique position to answer a number of questions that I get emailed all the time. Right. Um, maybe you could explain <laughs> what what's the difference between an agent and a manager. Well, I can definitely explain. Um, it's it's sort of two halves of a whole. You know, I think back in the day, there weren't really managers because agents had more time on their hands. They had fewer clients. The business was, you know, you you couldn't. You didn't have cell phones, you didn't have email, you, you know, the things just moved a little bit slower, there was more time. Now, as I think technology has impacted and things are moving so much faster, you know, and the volume has increased, you really have two distinct needs. So uh, I see a manager as essentially, you know, a client, you know, development exec slash producing partner slash you know, sometimes therapist, you know, yeah, right. the person who they, you know, doesn't have as much on their plate has a more manageable list of clients, you know, um, and is focused on, you know, the creation of something, you know, and, and really advising that client of like, okay, I think your time, and this is usually with the agent's help too. I think it's important. Every manager should run, you know, what they think the client should do next by the agent and get the team's input onto it. But you really hone in on, creating that next, let's say that for a feature writer, that next spec feature that the agent then can go and sell. And the agent's job, you know, more so now than ever, um, is, a, is frankly just a little bit more of a volume business. You know, the market is, is not easy, especially in film. And, you know, they're, you know, they're gathering information, you know, covering their different territories and getting information about from their different studios and the different buyers out there. And, constantly knowing and informing then back to us as the managers and to the client what the marketplace is looking for. Um, and it's sort of their job to kind of really hustle and, and, and spread the word. But if I don't give them, you know, if I don't shepherd the client into giving them something that they can then go and run with, then that's where the manager might fail. 
because the agent needs something to sell. So it really is, um, you know, two halves of a greater whole in, in terms of doing, covering every territory for a writer or a director. Right. Now, that kind of uh, sense? Then, no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just, um, that's a question that we're asked a lot and I, you, coming straight from your mouth, I think uh, is, is the best best way for, yeah, to I mean, get as, across as to that. A, when I was an agent, you know, what I always expected the managers who worked with my clients was to, you know, give me the draft. I don't have time to read 10 drafts. Mm-hmm. You know, as an agent, and, and, and it was probably more of an exception than the rule, you know, I, I still gave my notes, et cetera. I read, you know, you know, usually, you know, two drafts if it needed to, but it's tough to do more than that because there just isn't time to do more than that mm-hmm. given the volume on the plate. So I would tell the managers, get the script into the best shape you can with the client. And once you think, I can't think of anything else to do, that's when I need to read it. Mm-hmm. And then I will be the fresh set of eyes and I'll give my sort of round of notes in between all of our work, you know, we'll have something that hopefully is in really great shape and we'll have the best opportunity out there possible. But now as a manager, if, uh, you know, uh, on a recent script working with a client, we did four drafts of it. You know, on a pilot script I developed, um, we did eight drafts of it. You know, right. it's whatever it takes to get it into the place that I feel really good about now as a manager before I then give it to the agent. Right, right. Now, um, jumping on the whole agent-manager uh, topic, um, mm-hmm. how collaborative are managers um, both within your management firm, but also amongst other management companies, because, uh, you know, agents obviously are very competitive amongst other agencies, you know, CAA versus ICM versus UTA, but also even sometimes within the specific agency, there can be, you know, sort of a competition amongst agents, um, CAA sure. being sort of notorious for, you know, <laughs> working in teams, um, mm-hmm. uh, but not all agencies are like that. So how is it being a manager in terms of collaboration with other management companies or are you competing with clients for clients or how does that work? Um, you know, having had a number of options, both from the agency and manager front, uh, management front when I was leaving ICM um, was because it's so collaborative here. And I, I just genuinely like all these people and I'd shared clients with them and everything else. And, um, and so it, um, I already knew these were, these were folks I liked, you know what I mean, just first and foremost. And when you get along well with your colleagues, it's very easy to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. And, um, and part of what was genuinely appealing about going into management after so many years of being an agent is that I would say for the most part, like, there really is no poaching in management. There's a true honor amongst thieves, as it were, right. where, you know, it's, it's very easy to collaborate between management companies. You know, if I've got something cool that, you know, my friend, you know, is – you know, has a great director for at, at a management company, I'm going to call my friend, you know, and mm-hmm. we're not competing against one another um, in that way. Uh, you know, on on the flip side, though, on the agency side, because there is so much poaching and that does, uh, you know, very much run rampant at times, mm-hmm. there's just an inherent mistrust, you know, amongst the agencies. You know, that's not always true amongst the specific agents. You know, I've I always, you know, while I see them, I had friends at all the other agencies and and, you know, friends who I'd hang out with socially, you know what I mean? Like we just, we, we'd known each other for a long time. Right. And, um, and so, you know, there's, it, it, it can be challenging. And I think, you know, the, the idea in terms of going to your other point of like the team mentality within agencies, truthfully, I think any agency that tries to poach within, it just can't survive post, you know, the last, that last strike, you know, it, it's, it's too tough out there. The film business has shrunk too much. We have to be in it together. You might have, 
you know, clients competing for one another as writers for the same assignments or anything else, but there's a level of transparency within the departments about all of that. Mm-hmm. And there always was, you know, when I was an agent and, and I'm sure continues to be now amongst the agencies because ultimately it's, it's about, you know, the company winning with whichever client is able to move forward. And you're, you know, each agent is responsible for doing the best they can for that agent, for that client. And, um, and ultimately, whichever client, frankly, with the best take is usually the one who gets hired, you know. So, you know, and it's ultimately up to that writer to get that job once they're in the room. All, all we can do as reps, agent or manager, is, is provide, you know, the opportunity and get them into those rooms. Right, right. Now, we talk about collaboration amongst management companies, not even just within your own management firm, but, sure. you know, for example, with another management company. Do you think, and this actually leads into another question that we get asked a lot, is you know, in terms of managers also being producers, because yeah. you guys are also potentially producers of material, um, does that, do you think that plays a big part in it? And I guess one of the big questions we get asked all the time is how do managers work as both managers and producers without there being some sort of conflict of interest? I think it's very tricky, to be perfectly honest. And mm-hmm. I think it has to be very specific because, you know, uh, it was very memorable to me as a young agent at APA seeing how quickly a manager got fired for trying to all of a sudden jump onto some bandwagon last minute onto a sale of a client's project. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's something that has to be decided. I've 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 had clients now in this capacity come to me like, Hey, will you produce this? And I'll be like, No, I won't because I don't I won't be doing the job you need your producer to do on this project. Mm-hmm. You know, um I think if if, you know, the the cleanest ways to keep it in terms of a manager um, is if I come to a client, let's say, with an idea, and mm-hmm. I'm the one bringing the idea, well, then it makes sense for me to be a producer on it because I brought the project. Sure. Um, you know, in 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 the case right now on a on a, a pilot, it's something that I've been championing for you know almost three years, and um, and I had a conversation with the client. I asked him if he felt comfortable with me being involved as a producer, and he um, he felt I deserved it, and I've been already I'd already been doing the work, so it. Um, you know, and, and for me, the bottom line is, you know, the client always comes first, you know, um, and and so as long as they're comfortable and, you know, you have those conversations and everybody's aware of stuff, um, it shouldn't be a problem. But I think too, too many folks have, have given management a bad name, you know, a, mm-hmm. of just belonging onto things or trying to jump on last minute because there's a there's a sale or something and like, oh, man, I'm going to say I'm a producer now. And that's just that's just a poor way to handle business. You know, that sort of stuff needs to be figured out long before there's money at stake. Right, right. Well, that's smart. It has to be organic, you know. Right, right. Um, that actually transitions well into uh, another area that I wanted to talk about. Um, sure. uh, we also we talk to a lot of comic book writers. There's a lot of comic book writers on our side that we've talked to that we're friends with, um, and the the aspect of a lot of comic book properties, you know, managers go to comic book conventions. Comic-Con is huge. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. a huge Hollywood thing now. It's not even for comic book fans anymore. Um, to literally scoop up material. It's almost like sure. sign, the managers signing clients to get a free option, you know. And so they – it used to be where agents would have 40 clients. I mean, I'm throwing that number out there. And a manager yeah. have maybe twenty something, whereas now some managers have forty, fifty clients, and they they really represent projects. You know, they represent <laughs> properties more than yeah. creators. Um, and now, in terms of of 
that aspect of it. Um, I just wanted to touch base on that. What's your take on that in terms of, you know, scooping up material? Is that more important or is it more important to find somebody who you feel is a talented writer who may not have, you know, the type of property, you mm -hmm. know, that you think that you can just shock it out immediately and sell? Well, I think it's sort of a, it's, it's a, it's sort of bifurcated in a couple ways. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, in terms of, you know, as someone who, you know, my old colleague Lars Tier and I started the comic book department at ICM because we're geeks and fans of <laughs> stuff and kind of grew up with it. And, right. uh, and, uh, and we saw the trend, you know, six, seven years ago of what was happening mm -hmm. in this space. And, um, and at ICM, they have a prolific, amazing book department, but nobody was doing comic books. So we, we uh, were able to fill a need there. And, and I think it's, it's, it's twofold. You know, you've got, there's, there's some comic book writers who have no interest in being screenwriters, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and so it's, it's, and it's also, there's not too many properties, not every property has a life in another medium because it was intended for this medium. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, we'd look twofold. So we'd have like, okay, this is a great piece of IP. This writer has no interest in moving forward. So we're going to try to go and sell and package this piece of IP. There's on the other side though, there's some really talented writers who may not have frankly that sellable IP, but the writing is really good and they do have those ambitions. Mm -hmm. So Beyond that, you know, com the hardest thing I think for writers when they're trying to break out of comic books, you know, comics are a structure-free medium. You can write however you want to tell that story, you can tell that story in this visual medium. Right. Film and television is incredibly structured. Mm -hmm. You know, there are beats and acts and, and there's a formula and that formula is there for a reason because it's, it's required of the medium and the way things are presented within to the audience. And so the hardest part in transitioning folks from comics to to film or television, because I've been doing it for many years, right. is understanding that structure and knowing how to fill it and how to sort of do something that will then appeal to that market. And not every writer can do that, and but those who really want it, I find, work very hard at it and are willing to, frankly, also read a lot of material that they want to kind of get into as well. If it's TV or film, they're reading those scripts. And... Um, and they're writing the spec episodes and all that sort of stuff. And it's and, and frankly, it's necessary. Like like anything, it's it's furthering your craft and gaining a new skill set. So it really uh, it really just depends. But you know, there's some you know, oftentimes it was great just to have intellectual property to try to go and package. And uh, you know, from I remember Lars and I sold a a really fun sort of small market board game uh, years ago now to DreamWorks with Tim Burton you know, directing Tim wasn't a client at ICM, but he, we were able to get him on board. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was just a matter of putting it together in the best way for that, for that IP. Um, it's just, you know, it just depends on the intention you have, I think, as the representative. Right. Right. Um, now what's your opinion of, uh, cause I've seen this happen where a writer, a screenwriter will have a screenplay and they'll create a comic book or graphic novel specifically to try to sell it you know, as a film or television property, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, having a comic book uh, makes it more sellable. Does, sure. that, does that strike you as, as, as a good plan? Well, Somebody it's something that, that I remember first trying to get into even in the days at APA, mm -hmm. um, before I'd even officially kind of started working in the comic space as well and, and having clients there. And, and comic book publishers very quickly got savvy to like, Oh wait a minute! This was this was a spec that already been exposed to the marketplace, and we just spent all this money making it into a comic book, right. and it's already been burned out there. 
So now it's more about, I think, I think, you know, I've, I've benefited from selling properties that we, we had a great pitch or great script and we're like, this is a great original idea. And from, especially from a, let's say a lesser known writer, someone who's still making their name out there, just starting to, you know, um, make it, you know, make their name in the marketplace, a big tentpole type idea is going to be frankly tough. So, you know, we've, you know, we've approached friends, whether it's Darko or Oni or my old clients, you know, and Top Cow, you know, different friends mm-hmm. of the court and be like, this is a brand new piece of material, uh, hasn't been out. We think it'd make a great comic. And, and, and the, the other thing that you have to accommodate though, mind you, is not only creating the comic, but those comic book publishers are all very savvy businessmen and women right. over the last several years and they will come on and then produce the film. Mm-hmm. So, because it, it, it costs them money to generate some artwork, let alone, you don't even have to frankly make the full comic. You can create a few of the pages and some of the, and render some of the artwork, and that might be enough to sway things, you know, when you then take it out. Right. So, you, but you're, at this point now, you're also inviting that publisher on as a producer too, and you just have to weigh the package you're creating. Right. And if it's beneficial to it. Right. Um, now, I wanted to jump back to representation and talking about uh, clients, and especially since a lot of our listeners are aspiring screenwriters, uh, young screenwriters. Um, sure. what, what do you look for in new clients? What stands, other than obviously a great script, you know, um, sure. what stands out for you in a new client? What, what characteristics, what, um, what do they have to have for you to go, that's somebody that I want to sign? Absolutely. I, I have a, you know, I, I have a very uh, specific barometer for this sort of thing. It, um, <laughs> and it, it came about really my first year as an agent. Um, and a client I worked with very successfully while, while I was an agent, she's already managed. So we're just at this point still just good friends. But, um, but I remember reading her script and it was a, uh, you know, a fun sort of comedy, you know, coming of age type of thing. Um, uh, it's my old client, Kelly Freeman, who um, wrote the script called Ticket to Ride that became, um, we got it made a few years ago into uh, the uh, post-grad survival guide. At, it was at Fox Searchlight uh, with Alexis Bledel. Um, good movie, but great script. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember, yeah, my first year as an agent, just sitting on my couch on some Saturday morning, going like, okay, great. You know, this young baby writer was referred to me. You know, it was like, it was one of my, uh, one of the assistants at APA was his girlfriend. And um, I was like, great, I'm reading a girlfriend's script. <laughs> and, um, and by the way, they're now married and have an adorable little baby. And, um, and, and so I, uh, I remember sitting down, you know, just reading it. And at one point I was laughing so hard, I had to put the script down to get a drink of water. And in the year I'd been an agent, in the sort of almost two years, you know, I, you know not that it's some long pedigree of a career, but in all the reading I did at Penny's company and all the reading I did in the mailroom and all this other stuff and, and on a desk, et cetera, this was the first time I ever remembered laughing that hard at a script, mm-hmm. maybe even laughing at all at a comedy script. And I, I couldn't believe it. It dawned on me. I was like, why would I ever work with a, uh, why would I ever work with a comedy writer whose material doesn't make me laugh? Right. It just doesn't make sense. And so what dawned on me through that script was that every script I read, you know, should feel visceral. And if I don't, if I don't have a visceral reaction, so like if that horror script doesn't scare me, if, if I don't get moved, hopefully to tears on a drama script, if, if that, if, if that action or thriller script doesn't have me turning the page constantly, you know, and if that comedy doesn't make me laugh, if it's not visceral, 
to me, what hope do I have for it to ma- move the needle for anyone else out there? So, you know, for me, it just has to, it just has to give me, have to have a reaction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's surprising how few things really give a visceral reaction like that. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, in terms of like that, that sort of connection to that material, that writer, um, mm-hmm. what, how much of a stickler are you on, you know, genre material? Like if, if a writer has a script that you think is really well written, I mean, really well written, but it's not your type of material. Is that somebody you would take a chance on or is that somebody you would pass on to another manager that you might think might respond more to that genre? You know, I, yeah, I mean, it's depending on the thing, you know, if, if let's say I've, I already have one or two clients who write, you know, really great horror scripts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think this is really good, but I'm, I'm more passionate about the clients are, you know, I, or I'm, I'm plenty passionate about the clients I already represent and already sure. feel like I, I'm, I'm a little too into that. And I do, uh, it would take away from my representing them by having someone else. I will absolutely refer to a, a, a colleague, especially if I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as, you know, having to have something that's totally sellable or whatever else, you know, one of, you know, one of uh, a client of mine who's doing very well out there. I remember first time off of this teeny tiny little indie script. Um, he's now working with, you know, Fox and Disney and, you know, a lot of mainstream folks and, and things like that. Um, but I remember reading the script. It was like second place in the Samuel Golden competition, you know, maybe six, seven years ago now. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get him a job, but I love this script and I love this voice. Like it just was not something that I knew I was going to be able to sell. Right. And I did it. It wasn't going to keep, I wasn't going to be able to put him up for a studio assignment because it was a quirky little movie, but it really resonated with me. And, and, you know, and I made time for it because I believed in it. And that's, you know, that's I think easier for folks who are a little younger in terms of, you know, how long they've been in representation and can take a little bit more of a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and for me, you know, especially now as a manager, I, I don't take these commitments lightly. So it, it really does have to be something I just wholeheartedly believe in. Um, anything short of that would be doing a disservice to that writer and it'd be doing a disservice to my other clients and to myself. So right. it, um, it's, it's not without its opportunity, but, um, but sometimes when you believe in something, you know, my, my colleague Sarah Botfeld and I, uh, fell in love with a script, uh, that ultimately ended up, up on the blacklist as well and, and signed in before that came out and, and, and little small drama, you know, but just it was so moving and we were just so taken by it and by the writer himself too, that it, um, you know, you know, Sarah as a partner here in industry and a, was a longtime agent herself and, and and myself having done it for a while, we just we just fell in love with it, and you know it's 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 rare, but it's those are the moments that are so wonderful for us on this side of the aisle. Right. Now, what are um, mistakes that m- newer screenwriters, young screenwriters make? And I'm not talking about in terms of their writing ability. Sure. Um, what what do you advise new screenwriters, young screenwriters do other than writing? Assuming you know that whole thing has worked itself mm-hmm. out there. You know, they've studied screenwriting, they've written a bunch of scripts to get sure. all the kinks. Um, and hopefully they have a good script. What, what mistakes do you see screenwriters, young screenwriters making? Often I'd say there's two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think oftentimes um, a lot of writers and, and writers looking to break in don't read enough. Mm-hmm. They don't read enough of what's already out there and what's selling 
and um, and getting a sense of of the marketplace and you know what you know oh wow some other you know new writer just sold a thing let me read it and get a sense of what what went for it and and not to say all those scripts are perfect but it just gives you a sense of the market and and what's moving the needle for reps as well as for executives and producers. So I think reading is really, really important. Um, Not to mention, there's a lot of terrific writers out there, and that's another great way to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I don't think a lot of writers get out enough in terms of networking, you know, in their own way, you know. You make a friend who's in, you know, if you're, whether you're interning or an assistant, in, you know, during the day at a production company, at an agency. Um, I think, I think, I think being an assistant at an agency for a year is a great experience for anybody, no matter what area of the business you want to go into. I agree. Not only will you learn the business, but you'll have a newfound respect for what representatives do, which I think, I don't think enough people respect that, to mm-hmm. be honest. Sometimes um, it's really hard work. Um, and and I think agents in in particular, just given the hours, having done it myself, it is really hard work and it is really taxing and and it's really exhausting and and everybody is trying to succeed. Nobody is trying to let someone down. Um, but I think that kind of networking is really important because that intern might become an assistant somewhere else, and then the script you were telling them about could be great for their boss and 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 all of a sudden you know you're getting stuff you know oh that boss really liked it that. CE at whatever company liked it, and now they're calling their manager friend or agent friend, dude, I think you should rep the script. It's really great. You know, it, it starts, it's a domino effect. And if you're not making your own connections out there as, right. a, as a new writer, you know, I hate to say the query letters aren't really moving the needle enough. Competitions might, you know, good screenwriting competitions and stuff, you know, definitely help get noticed. Um, but you can't just rely on those either. But if you're out having drinks with some folks and, you know, other friends and you meet this person and you develop those relationships, it, uh, you know, it can be very beneficial in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, just going from my own experience, having been at CIA for a year as an assistant, um, Mm -hmm. I remember uh, a lot of screenwriters being there uh, working on desks and uh, a a number of them have gone on. Uh, Jeremy Gerlich and Jay Lavender um, uh, Lindsay Devlin is the most recent who the devils do. Uh, and yeah, I, no, Lindsay was a great friend and, and, uh, I represented yeah. her husband, Cole Haddon for many oh, yeah. years. Um, yeah. and, uh, helped, I uh, put together Dracula and some other stuff. And yeah, actually, and we, by the way, we did the setup of the comic book before take it out, uh, thing with one of Cole's projects. Um, uh, his, a strange case of, uh, Mr. Hyde. Right. No, but I mean, that, that goes to show that there's just so yeah. much interconnection there that, you know, oh, yeah. um, it, it's, it's huge. So people look at it like you land an agent, you land a manager, that's it. They're going to get me some jobs. And it's not that simple. Uh, you could be the most brilliant writer in the world, but, you know, networking and making those connections are huge. Um, and like, like you said, you know, generating material, you know, it's, absolutely. it's, it's always important. It, it truly is a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, between, between rep and client, you know, it, it, it really is, you know, it's all about communication. It's about trying to, you know, kind of create a plan and execute it. And, and the one benefit every writer always has more so than directors is you can always generate a new script and sure. create a new opportunity for yourself. And absolutely. it's, it's all, you know, in your mind and at the, you know, at the, at the front of the keyboard and, um, and all of a sudden giving something new to that agent, you know, can reinvigorate them as well. If for whatever reason, the last thing didn't, you know, didn't work in the marketplace. Right. No, absolutely. Um, now we had a few listener questions. You already answered two of them. 
Oh, okay, great. <laughs> one last listener question. Um, when meeting a prospective manager, do I pitch my script or am I pitching myself as a writer? I don't really know. I think I mean. in general, when it comes to representation, mm-hmm. agent or manager even, um, albeit with a with a manager that, you know, we I think we're more invested in knowing what an interesting, you know, sort of background or life or point of view and perspective, you know, interest as well. But like any rep and agents even more so, we want to know that there's something actionable to do. Mm-hmm. And having a good available script means there's something to try to go sell. Because if that client's not making money, then nobody else is either. Right. You know, our livelihoods are tied into yours as well. So right. um, it's um, it's one of those things where you know I think having you know something actionable that nobody's seen this. I think it's you know that everybody thinks hopefully that that manager thinks is really good. You know, gives an immediate piece of business while while that manager also is working on the long-term, you know, opportunities as well. Right. So I think it's always that much more appealing to a representative to have something to do immediately while working on the long-term. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, Now, lastly, we just have a quick section of rapid-fire questions before we go. Um, Sure. Video games or comic books? Um, Video games or comic books? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I, uh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I probably would have to say comic books more than video games, just because video games can be such a time suck. Right. Um, and ironically, most of the video games I like to play are based on comic books. Um, ah, gotcha. like the Batman, Arkham, Cities, and Asylums of the World. Um, sure. but, uh, but I would say even more so than uh, comics and video games for me are cartoons. Oh, okay. I love I love cartoons, so a lot. Of, I still watch a ton of TV animation, all of it. Oh, very cool. Um, favorite lunch spot? Oh gosh, um, any place with good parking. That's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. Um, uh, it uh, I, I usually prefer places that are less sceny and just have good parking. So gotcha. I wish I had some place cool. I do. I gotta say, well, you know what? I'll say the, the place that I've been loving going to is Kiyokawa. Great sushi place on Robertson, and not too expensive easy to find parking around there right. and not too crowded. Right. Um, this year's best picture. Um, honestly, I'm going to have to probably default uh, mostly to, I think people, I think everyone's going to pick 12 years of slave and I think it has such an impact and deserves to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know in some ways that I could find, think of anything else that would be better. Um, to be perfectly honest. So, I think I'll have to go to that, but as far as best screenplay goes, I think it's definitely her. Yeah, that, that was... one really blew me away. Yeah. Um, and uh, in honor of the Winter Olympics, your favorite Winter Olympic event? Oh gosh, what would be your favorite Winter Olympic event? Hmm. I. Double I luge, maybe. The... Yeah, it was just actually. I was like, luge is pretty cool. Bobsled's cool. I think all that stuff. It's so the speed and the you know just the danger right. of it is all pretty thrilling cool um that's all the time we have for now thank you so much for joining me ava my pleasure thanks for having me you should definitely follow ava on twitter at ava jamshidi uh yeah and please (laughs) visit our website at scriptsandscribes.com for more information on all of our guests archived podcasts and lots of other great written interviews and information on writing and if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Thanks for listening.